The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. I want to thank our sponsors uh, for the second hour of today's show, uh, for making the show economically viable. Our sponsors are, for this hour, Arrowway Energy, Clifton Star Resources, Goldrich Mining Company, and Prodigy Gold. Well, I am pleased to have with me once again Arch Crawford. Uh, he's very well known to listeners of this show, but for those of you who may be new, uh, a little background on Archie uh, is warranted. Perhaps he is a very a highly sought-after speaker in the United States, Europe, and the Pacific Rim. Uh, he has been profiled in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Forbes, the Los Angeles Times, Kiplinger's Personal Finance, and in dozens of periodicals around the world. I can remember seeing Arch on CNBC frequently uh, in the past, uh, uh, and uh, he's also been on Adam Smith, Money World, and the Nightly Business Report sightings, uh, the Wall Street Journal, as we mentioned, um, report, Good Morning America, ABC's 2020, and more. Not too many shows Arch hasn't been on, so we're very pleased to have him with us once again. Arch, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Really good to have you here, and uh, I know that we are also going to be meeting you and myself and Roger Wiegand, who is also joining me. My partner, Roger, uh, is with me also uh, during this half hour to uh, perhaps uh, ask a couple of questions, Arch, of where you see the markets. But before we get into that, I would like to tell our listeners that all three of us will be meeting in Tempe, Arizona at the Wealth Protection Conference, uh, and that uh, you can learn more about by calling 800-494-4149, 800-494-4149. Locally, the number is 480-820-5877, 480-820-5877. And also the website that you can go to uh, to learn more about this conference and to sign up for it is buysilvernow.com. It's an excellent conference. It's one of, it is what I call my favorite conference because I don't get badgered with companies trying to bend my ear and and tell me about how great their stories are. Uh, I just get to listen to excellent speakers uh, like my partner Roger and uh, like Arch and, uh, and various other people that have been on this show from time to time. So uh, let's get started. Arch, I want to ask you, uh, last week, um, or I guess it was last week or this last latest letter of yours, uh, in your March issue you predicted the market would likely decline from mid-March uh, when the market would become exhausted. What caused you to make that call? Well, the, uh, the planetary uh, energy from aspects uh, as measured by the Bradley uh, model uh, that he made up in 1948 on the way to do that, and has a little booklet out about it, um, hit the, its peak.
peak on the 14th to 16th of March. Mm-hmm. And I think the 16th was a high day. And um, there were two slightly higher days, but they were very minimally higher and on lower momentum and lower volume, uh, which really was a setup for the downside. Mm-hmm. But I, I picked it because it was a grand trine between uh, a v- Venus-Jupiter conjunction, which is bullish enough as it's on its own merit. Uh, it was in the best possible aspect to Pluto, and all of those were at the best possible aspect to Mars on about the 14th. Mm-hmm. So I figured that's there would be a sharp rally up to that, and we got that sharp rally. And then I said, well, we may drift lower, or we may turn down, or we may just stay into this area until we get the normal seasonal high in late April or early May. Mm-hmm. So that's still to be determined yet, but we have done some cons- – uh, we have continued to develop more uh, technical uh disadvantages okay well what's happened now just i mean since the 14th since that peak i mean we have seen a pretty sharp well we've seen a somewhat of a market correction since then have we not uh yes it's uh it's it's a moderate one so far mm-hmm. and it came back down uh, i think the spx uh broke the 50 uh day moving average uh but it hasn't broken anything else uh, of any uh, great merit. The, it broke a trend line by just a hair, and then it's bounced up from that. So, um, so it may uh, put on more of a rally into the next few days. Uh, it's hard to hard to pick on that whether it's, but it is clearly forming a top uh, pattern. Mm-hmm. Well, so whether it goes a little higher or not is uh, moot at this point. So you're not ruling out another. Another short-term new high here. I'm not. No, I, in that letter I said that the, uh, we might have the the normal seasonal pattern uh, high in late April or early May. Mm-hmm. But I think it'll be uh, well be in by the time we get around to the solar eclipse on May the 20th. I think it'll be done clearly by then. Right. I want to ask you about that. Uh, but Roger, I, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on on Arch's timing here, and what are your thoughts along those lines? No, Arch and I both are technical analysts, and I, I kind of agree with Arch most of the time. You know, when you do this stuff, uh, life isn't perfect. You can't call tops and bottoms. Uh, your numbers and days aren't going to be very that very surpri- precise. But generally, uh, through that sequence, I, I pretty much said what Arch did. Uh, we're up today in the stock market uh, due to some manipulation, but uh, like Arch was saying, you know, these... These numbers have been pounding against the top, but they couldn't break through. Uh, just because they peak out like that, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to turn right right around and, and fall down. They haven't really done that. And, in fact, today uh, the Dow Jones is up nearly 200 points because somebody jumped in and bought some Spanish bonds, so the Spanish stock market went up. Everybody was very fearful this week about that. The next thing that happened was Apple stock was off recently, which has been one of the big movers in New York. And uh, iPad sales did resume, so Apple turned right around today and went up 4% too. And then, of course, uh, our, our friends uh, who come with a lot of happy talk at the IMF, they raised their global growth forecast. I, I didn't get the number, but 
you know, that's got some influence. There's no question about it. And along with that, today IBM is going to announce, and everybody, is, it's the earnings season, and IBM is probably going to have uh, some good numbers too. All right. So well, all, all those things really conspired to hold stocks up and make them look better. Well, okay. Uh, I hear what you're saying, Roger. You say due to some manipulation, Arch, I, I'm sure that you're in agreement that, that the makers and shakers of this world try to uh, to manipulate, to, uh, to to control markets, try to keep markets from doing certain things. On the other hand, I'm quite convinced uh, that you believe that the planetary movements have are far more powerful than than these central bankers or various makers and shakers as we see them. So that brings me to the question of you talk in your last letter about the Mayan calendar and May 20th as an important date. Uh, first of all, do you pay attention and why do you pay attention to the Mayan calendar at all? Well, I first read about it on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. They had an article about Jose Arguez, and he was talking about the Mayan calendar had an important uh, date in um, August the 17th, 1987. And I was looking at that uh, date astronomically, mm-hmm. and I didn't see any, any major anything going on. So I was moving uh, it ahead one day at a time, and seven days later, on August the 24th of 87, um, was the tightest five-body conjunction in at least 800 years that I checked. Hmm. And what I had been noticing about the market is the cycles had turned down in April, May, and were going down, 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 but the market kept going sideways and up, sideways and up, sideways Hmm. and up. So I've learned over the years from 79 and from 82 particularly that um, when that happens, I look look out and I find a big alignment in the sky, and that will be the top day. Hmm. So I wrote in my newsletter at that time, I think it was August the 8th, um, this market will peak on August the 24th, give or take three days, after which we will have a horrendous crash. Hmm. And we hadn't had a crash since 1962. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look back, the high close on the Dow was uh, August 24th, mm-hmm. and then we went. In, we dropped the market uh, fairly substantially, but you know, gradually into the solar eclipse on the fall equinox, mm-hmm. um, September 22nd or 3rd, I think it was. It's always the 22nd and 23rd, but uh, mm-hmm. so it dropped into that. And that day, that morning, the Dow hit a new low and scared the traders turned around and had the biggest up day in history mm-hmm. on the solar eclipse on the fall equinox. Mm-hmm. And it rallied two weeks, and then we hit the uh, lunar eclipse two weeks after with the full moon. Um, and that was the biggest down day in history to that date in, mm-hmm. in points mm-hmm. and started the slide into the crash. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these are just a couple of events. Uh, they hardly hardly would provide... Uh, you know, complete proof, I guess. Well, you haven't heard, seen my whole talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, for that we have to go. For that we have to go to Tempe, Arizona, I guess, uh, or subscribe to your newsletter, which would be an excellent idea. Um, so, so I, I know that there are there are a lot of other uh, examples, and we've had you on this show before, and you've talked about it. So, May twentieth, you believe, is a very important date, possibly, but also. Um, you also mentioned that there is a, a, an eclipse, I think, that starts, a solar eclipse, an annual eclipse that starts on that day. Is that right? That's right. Well, it, it starts and completes on that day um, So because it only takes, what, 
two or three hours mm-hmm. from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so let's let's what, what's the significance of this uh, eclipse and where is this going to take place? And oh, okay. Well, the uh, the Mayan calendar part of it is that at Kukulkan, which is one of the major cities of the uh, of the Mayans that still exists in uh, at least in ruins. Um, if you stick, put a stick in the ground at noon, you will not see any shadow. And in Chichen Itza, it's only a few degrees north of that. It, you can't, it's not enough to tell the difference, whether it's May 20th or May 23rd, uh, so that it's pretty much during in the Mayan Empire, that day was considered important because of the no shadows at noon. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so that every year about May the 20th has been celebrated by them as on an annual basis, but this year it's a solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think this year will be much more important. It's also the highest uh, tidal forces of this year. Uh, so the water and the, and the air and the earth will be moved by the highest tides um, of this year. And the, the eclipse begins to be visible on the coast of China, and it moves up the coast of China and then crosses over Japan exactly where all of the earthquakes have been hitting there, including the big one last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it maximizes around uh, further north uh, on around the international date lines in the middle of the Pacific with nothing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it comes down across northern California, which you know is, is a pretty active uh, earthquake area, and it ends in Texas. So what it is doing, it is actually activating or, or touching off about two-thirds of the whole ring of fire around the Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. The ring okay. of fire being where two-thirds of the earthquakes on the Earth take place mm-hmm. because of some really big uh, plate tectonic movements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Arch, are you saying that we have some? Do we have some scientific evidence that these eclipses cause things to happen along these uh, along these tectonic uh, belts? Yes, it has to be in a tectonic place that has built up for a long time or built up pressure by the plates scraping together, but this. Uh, high tide will come by and, and release the pressure sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, so if you, you if you watch periods of supermoons, which are like a new moon or full moon at perigee at its closest to the Earth, uh, that will do it, and an eclipse is usually a special case of that. And if you have all three together, a perigee, an eclipse, and a, well, it has to be, a, an eclipse has to be a new moon or full moon, and you have the perigee also, and uh, and if it's near January the 4th, that's the closest the Earth is to the sun. Mm-hmm. And then that's where it was in that big Indonesian quake about four or five years ago. Mm. So that was a, an eclipse, I think. No, it wasn't an eclipse. It was a full moon at perigee uh, near the, um, what is it they call us, um, the perigee of the Earth to the sun. Yeah, that's what it was. I, I can't help you there on Arch, Arch on that one. Uh-huh. Uh, but so what you're saying essentially is that that there is a there is you know some understandable uh, relationship between these eclipses and uh, tectonic movements and 
right. earthquakes and so forth. So are you then suggesting the likelihood of something that could take place in in or this this great uh, belt of uh, yeah uh, the, the, uh, more uh, ring than of fire. normal. I mean, at normal, it's been fairly active and been getting much more active recently, mm-hmm. and uh, this could be a big one. Yeah, um, within yeah. either on that new moon uh, eclipse or on the full moon uh, partial eclipse that happens two weeks before or two weeks after. Mm-hmm. So okay. I remember uh, predicting the Indonesian quake. I predicted it on the new moon, and a friend of mine up in Phoenix predicted it on the full moon, and it hit exactly on the full moon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's it's interesting stuff. I, it's certainly not a uh, not an exact science, but there does, oh, no, definitely does not at all. Does, definitely does seem to be a lot of you know a lot of reason to pay attention to these things. Aren't you also talking about a crash cycle? You're looking and seem to be particularly. Uh, worrisome about the period of from about July 19th through uh, early February 2013. Can you tell our listeners why? Uh, yes. Well, that is a, a portion of the Mars-Uranus cycle, and the Mars-Uranus cycle is only about two years, but um, and we don't have a crash every two years. I call it the Mars-Uranus crash cycle because every crash that has happened in the last hundred years has happened in that portion, that 40% of that cycle, mm. which is really startling. Mm. And uh, we enter that period of danger on June, uh, or July, the, uh, was it, 13th or something? I think the 19th is what you had in your letter. 19th of July. Mm-hmm. Um, and ends the, the period where all the crashes have been around the end of February mm-hmm. of 13th. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Roger, I'd like to ask you now. I'd like to just comment that okay, sure. you know, in this case, in this two-year period, we have so many juggling balls in the air that if any one of them drops, it's going to cause uh, a multiple uh, disastrous effect. So we're set up where conditions are developing that could be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so we're coming up to the crash cycle period that if it's going to happen, it'll happen in that period. And there's so many things going wrong that uh, it will not take much more to uh, to create the panic situation that mm-hmm. develops. Well, there. it certainly isn't difficult to look around the world at the Asian or at the European situation, uh, even what's going on in Asia, the uh, political issues there, and not to mention a slowdown in the markets. Mm-hmm. Certainly the notion that we are out of the woods in the United States is, is phony baloney, no doubt about that. But I wanted, uh, Roger, you're listening to Arch, and I wanted to get your sense of, the, of timing as well. I know that you've been pretty bullish up through the middle of this year, but, uh, but not so sure about the second half of this year. So, Roger, what, what, would you weigh in on, this, on Arch's idea about this uh, crash cycle? Well, I agree with him totally. We've been saying, in fact, uh, I, I think it was about a month or two ago, I, I had a long list, three pages of things where things could go awry, and I was looking for them to occur roughly uh, a little later than Arch's date on the 19th of July, but more likely the last week of August through probably November 1st. That doesn't eliminate the idea that from November 1st into February, of next year that something couldn't happen either. But historically, the stock market uh, has a uh, magnetic appeal to go crazy after Labor Day up until about the middle of October. Typically, uh, I think on history, if I'm correct, Arch, Mm -hmm. I think most of that stuff happens in the third week of September. 
But, you know, it's generally through that period when a lot of things can go sour. And with an election coming and all the uh, uh, the nasty remarks and the problems and the bond market in Europe and China slowing down, there's, you know, we're going to talk about that in a speech at Tempe, but uh, I agree that we're entering a very dangerous period where these people that are in control of the economy, the banks, and the government, they're walking a very fine line. All it's going to take is step on one tripwire. Something's going to take off and go sideways, and then there we go. Have either of you seen the Thrive movie that's free online now? I have not. It's, I have not seen it. It's the most amazing thing, but I don't even want to talk about that too much. Well, tell us where we can, where we can, what is it, how can we Google it? It's uh, thrivemovement.com. Mm-hmm. It's a two-hour movie, and it, it's uh, very complex and informative about a lot of things that we uh, don't always talk about. Okay. Could you just uh, spend a second longer to, to inform us a little bit more about, about it than that, Arch, since you brought it up? Well, that's, the, uh, that's where it's located is uh, thrivemovement.com. Okay, so highly recommended by Arch Crawford. We should take a look at it. I certainly will, and our listeners might want to do the same. Okay. Uh, and then maybe we'll take it from there. If but there's we more have commentary a, on this show, we'll talk about it. Uh, the other thing coming up here uh, is the Uranus-Pluto squares. Okay. And they will be at 90 degrees to each other looking out from the Earth more or less for three years so that we'll have two uh, of those 90-degree angles uh, each year of 2012, 2013, 2014. And um, that would, I believe that that whole alignment will bring on a major depression and one of the more serious uh, threats to Western civilization that we've ever seen. That is that is quite a, quite a statement, but it is not inconsistent with what Robert Prechter has said on the show and a couple of other people as well, Ian Gordon, uh, and some other people that look at history and are looking at believe that we are in the most serious credit contraction uh, in in many many uh, uh, many many decades. Uh, what are you telling your subscribers then to do, Arch, at this point in time? Well, I'm a little more aggressive than uh, many investors, and I say uh, I'm like uh, 50% short now, and as we get into that crash period, I'll be 200% short. Wow. That is That's aggressive. Full the margin. problem that I have with shorting, and I know that some of the more aggressive triple-down shorts, is that those things can move so fast that if you're wrong, it just shakes your nerves. I mean, it's very difficult. Oh, to... sure. It's not something that's recommended for uh, general investors. But so I'm, general my, investors, my, what would you say? They should be building some cash? My right? timeline and my... Uh, uh, sentiment are towards uh, three to six month periods, mm-hmm. and uh, so usually I'm taking positions of long or short, and then when I get into the very strong periods or very weak periods, I'm, I'm, I'll use full margin um, in order to get ahead. I guess in the rating services. <laughs> Um, I have to ask you, we only have another couple of minutes, Arch, but I want to ask you about your view on gold and silver as well. Do you have, do you have a view on those markets? Oh, certainly. I have, a, <laughs> I have a view, and I'm a little concerned about the gold and, and the silver here. Mm-hmm. They could be making a large head and shoulder bottom, but they have not 
gone down enough for it to be technically called a bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the sideways pattern that it's going through could come flying up out of here. But I would like first to see it go back above the 50-day and 200-day moving averages, which it's still hanging below pretty much, and below a trend line that I didn't want to see it broken. But mm-hmm. um, the metals do have a history of breaking down and then going up or breaking up and then going down. They're the trickier uh, kinds of things to follow technically. Mm-hmm. So I follow them uh, astronomically, and, and that has been very, very helpful, particularly in the metals. I, I used to trade gold for a living in the mid-'70s. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'd have the buy and the sell within two or three days, and, and it would hit to the minute or so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Arch, let me ask you, what are you seeing, uh, about, what are you seeing in the metals astronomically? Because uh, we'll probably talk to Roger Wiegand in the next segment about his views from a technical point of view, but what do you see astronomically for gold? Well, as um, the first date I was looking for was uh, May the 20th. The second one is the first of those Saturn, uh, uh, Uranus-Pluto squares occurs on the... Um, I think it's the 13th of June, or June 23rd, June 23rd. And um, a, a third angle of the square would be um, the midpoint of Mars and Saturn, so that I believe that that could be a nuclear event, possibly either Israel attacking the nuclear uh, facilities of Iran or a nuclear accident, or maybe the earthquake touches off another nuclear situation as it did in Japan. Mm. Mm. But that 23rd of June is um, very powerful and very deadly. Um, mm. So that's what I'm looking for there. And that could put metals through the roof. Um, but, you know, we're getting into the uh, lower period of time for the metals, uh, the normal seasonal patterns, it goes down in August and bottoms in late August or early September. Um, so I'm not worried about the long term, but I'm worried about the short term and possibly the intermediate term. I'd like it better if the HUI hadn't also broken an important uh, neckline. And if the stocks start acting a little bit better, I'll be more confident to go back into the goals. I'm keeping a long-term position always, but my trading positions are out. Okay. We are out of time, unfortunately, Arch. It's really good to hear from you again. I'd like to remind our listeners uh, that you can uh, meet up with Arch Crawford, listen to his speech, listen to Roger Wiegand. Uh, we're going to have uh, a lot of other people like uh, Ian McAvitt. He's going to be there myself. Uh, a lot of great speakers at the Wealth Protection Conference. Uh, you can call uh, you can call the number 800-494-4149, 800-494-4149, uh, or go to buysilvernow.com. And that conference is going to be held on the 27th and 28th of this month. That's the 27th and 28th. I should also mention that Roger Wiegand has a conference. Uh, one day in advance. Uh, that's a solo conference. He's going to be talking to uh, his subscribers, and you can call that same number to sign up for Roger's uh, show, Roger's event as well. Well, that is uh, all the time we have for now. We're going to have to go to a commercial break. When we come back, Chen Lin's going to join us. We'll get some of his ideas on where to put your money 
and Roger Wiegand will be staying with us as well. Thank you again, Arch, for being with us. Okay, the March letter is free on my website at CrawfordPerspectives.com. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. CrawfordPerspectives.com. They can uh, catch up with the March letter that I referred to and we talked about. It's wonderful. Thank you to very the much, lower Arch. right. Anyway, thanks for having me on. Well, absolutely. Thank you for being with us. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back with Chen Lin and Roger Wiegand. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Eurasian Minerals is a prospect generation exploration and royalty company focused on the discovery of gold and copper. The company currently has over 140 properties on four continents. Our joint venture partners have committed to spend over $15 million on Eurasian Minerals projects in 2012. The company maintains a tight share structure a low cash burn rate, and holds $43 million in cash, creating value through discovery, growth, and royalties. Eurasian Minerals. If you're ready to find your personal brand, look no further than Brand Your Fire, Get What You Want Radio with host Monica Magnetti. To achieve success in business, who you are and how you're presenting yourself makes all of the difference. Some of the topics discussed on our show include personal branding, what it is, and how it will help you. We'll discuss the aspects of this, including how to create a brand, drive traffic, and increase SEO. Brand Your Fire, Get What You Want Radio airs live every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. American Manganese Incorporated controls the largest deposit of manganese in the southwest United States, and their 43101 preliminary economic evaluation includes the potential to be the lowest cost producer of electrolytic manganese in the world. A National Instrument 43101 report of 13.8 billion pounds of indicated and 3.5 billion pounds inferred. Go to www.americanmanganeseinc.com. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have both of my partners with me here today, Roger Wiegand and Chen Lin. I'm going to start with you, Roger, uh, since we were talking about gold and Arch gave us his planetary uh, perspective of uh, the gold markets uh what how do you see gold from a technical perspective right now right now it appears jay that got uh, we're looking at the june gold futures and uh it looks like there's a small inverted head and shoulders which is bullish uh gold has been kind of bouncing along sideways but it did touch a low down to around 1615 we're back up right now at 1651 dollars uh, the trading range is running generally, but now between 1622 and a half and 1692 and a half, uh, that's kind of a wide band, but keep in mind that as we go along, 
that these trading ranges are going to go wider. Uh, that increases more volatility in both directions, of course. I can remember, and you can too, when gold was a big day was, you know, five, ten bucks, and we've seen uh, daily range as high as sixty-five, seventy-five dollars. I think as we move forward in time during the calendar, we're going to see more of that volatility, and the trading ranges will might even get beyond the sixty-five, seventy-five. We might even see a hundred to a hundred and fifty. Of course, in the futures, then, in order to, to uh, keep safety in, in the trading platform and keep risk under control. Uh, they'll probably raise the margins on gold again. Now, that has a tendency to suppress the price, and it also has a tendency, of course, in silver. But about two years ago in silver, uh, they took off the dollar-and-a-half-day limit, and silver, as we speak now, has no daily limit. So if it hit a double, like the previous limit was a fifty, if it could go to 3 or $4, they're just going to let it run. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, during all this volatility. But our gold rally this spring, Jay, to answer your question, I think is going to be mild. I'm not looking for a real big move, but we're setting up for a big move, but it's hard to tell whether we're going to achieve that this spring or, in fact, that's going to go into the fall where we see a more traditional larger rally starting from the end of August, 1st of September, that goes all the way through typically uh, into October. So okay. uh, we're looking for a big move during that later period. Uh, the early period that we're in now, I'm expecting something more modest. Okay. Chen, uh, I think this may be consistent with your views. You're more bullish on on, uh, on oil uh, on, and some oil stocks during the first half of this year, but you're looking to do something more aggressive, I think, with gold and gold shares in the second half of this year. Is that correct? Yeah, looking to uh, gold stock has been hit pretty hard in the past few weeks, and then looking to take advantage of it maybe you know in the summer. Yeah, but you you've had a more bullish view of gold in the second half of the year. Is this a normal seasonal thing, or do you see something different this year? Usually a seasonal thing, uh, but I don't have. Um, you know, my crystal ball couldn't tell whether what's going to happen in the second half of the year. I oh, think come it's on. going to be uh, volatile. Oh, come uh, on, Chen. We expect your crystal ball to be crystal clear. Only <laughs> kidding. But, uh, Chen, you, you are very bullish on oil, and uh, there are a couple of oil stocks in particular I would like to ask you to, to bring us up to date on. I know that Mart Resources is certainly one of your favorites. What are your feelings about Mart at this point in time? Yeah, Mart is- uh, I think it's, uh, they will have very significant news in the next few weeks. Um, I'm hoping a dividend announcement. You know, when company has a make a dividend announcement, we have seen the share price appreciate tremendously. Mm-hmm. Of course, they management have been talking to all the presentations. So these people on BNN, they mentioned dividend. So because management, when they gave presentation around, they've been mentioned they were going to give dividend. So. I hope they deliver very soon, <laughs> so because I certainly can use some, some profit in March, hopefully, uh, to buy some undervalued gold and silver stocks. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, and Pan Orient Energy is another one that you like a lot. What's uh, Can you update us on that one? What's going on there? Yeah, today it just came out with the news. It was hit very hard, down uh, 25%, I think. Uh, so... It it just uh, their recent well has some water intrusion. Okay, mm-hmm. inside there's some water. 
uh, it's not a big deal. It is a concern, okay, but it's not a big deal because it's a it's a regular you know sandstorm well. So uh, it's not the old well. They were drilling volcanic well. When the water come in, they keep coming in because they have a very not very good seal. The sandstorm they have some water, have some oil. That's fine. You know you can still pump oil there. So mm-hmm. A lot of example in Thailand, you know, you have uh, water, 50% water, you're still producing a lot of oil, you know, continuously. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the um, investment, investors just panic because before they have water, people hear water, they just run away. <laughs> Actually, it could create some, uh, you know, probably good buying opportunities. What happened to Pan Orient today then? What, where, how much did the stock fall and where is it selling at? Oh, it's for all the way to two seventy eight. I thought they would never drop below three dollar again, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it did. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it has been an, an ugly day. Someone really tried to sell sell their shares or try to get out. Well, it could be a buying opportunity then, I suppose, possibly. I mean, uh, yeah, for those that have have uh, have bought into or have looked at and followed the story. Roger, you had an idea, I think, uh, today about how investors an aggressive play on uh, on your bullish view on on gold. Can you talk to our listeners about that? Yes, uh, the, the the suggestion, the recommendation we had today was to look at uh, NUG NUGT, which is a daily gold miners bull ETF, and it's leveraged three times. So this is not something for your general trading group, but actual not investing group, I should say, your, your traders would like this because it's going to move pretty quickly, in our opinion. Uh, the price today on the index, when we looked at it, was 13.29 uh, on a low and 34 on a high. And we came off that low today, and we're looking for probably 10 points up to 23.5. So that's a considerable move. Uh, it's a good opportunity for those who will pay attention to the charts and watch what's going on because, as you mentioned earlier, Jay, when you trade these ETFs and you're using leverage, they can move very fast in either direction, mm-hmm. and you've got to pay attention. Well, you so really we, do. We, like it. we take a look at NUGT. It's the Daily Gold Miners Bull ETF times three, and it's a very interesting situation because the chart had six days in a row on the daily where it was fully supported. On the weekly, uh, we see the first wave up. So it looks to me like uh, we're getting ready to get started, not only with gold and silver, but with the shares as well. Are you looking at uh, at the gold share indexes when you talk about that? I know um, you mentioned in your in your alert that you sent out to your subscribers today several positives, technical positives, the MACD, uh, the the vertical blue histogram bars, et cetera, et cetera. So you're seeing, are you becoming very bullish then on the uh, on on the gold shares? I guess. Yes, finally. It's, it was very weak as we reported in our letter last week, but I can say that it looked like uh, the momentum, the volume, and some of the other key indicators that we were looking at technically had all found support. Uh, they hadn't really jumped up to any great degree, but that support is very obvious. And one of the ones we always like to look at in the XAU chart uh, on decision point, and you and I share that, but on the decision point chart on the bottom of the XAU chart, uh, they show a metal to shares ratio, and that ratio is very accurate. It, it usually is right about 90% of the time, and you can also look at the XAU chart in daily, weekly, and monthly and see the behavior of that metal to shares ratio 
and, and get an inkling of when this thing is going to move. Mm-hmm. The setups look very attractive. It looks like it's going to get started. Mm-hmm. And turning to gold, Chen, you, uh, one of your favorites has been Oceana Gold. Do you still feel very positive about that company? Yeah, it has been, it has been one of the better performers in the past year. The stock mm-hmm. didn't lose value. <laughs> Consider all the gold shares has been hit so hard in the past 12 months. Yeah. Um, the, but yeah, they have an important catalyst coming, the new mine Philippines. Uh, going to change their profile dramatically. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, and then also many others. Uh, I look at a lot of miners lately. They've been hit so hard. Some were cut in half just from PDAC. To now. Remember PDAC we were in, yeah. Yeah. in Toronto? Yeah. Now it's just uh, only a few weeks. I was a little bit in shock, frankly. Yeah, incredible. And I know that uh, to both of you that uh, Bob Hoy, I think it was just a, a week ago or so, has come out and turned very bullish on the gold shares as well. And he has always been one that has warned about the downside risk of the gold shares with the general market. I mean, I, I don't know um, if we get the kind of downside market that Arch Crawford is looking for potentially in the second half of this year, then I, you know, I still have reservations about gold shares. At the same time, I like, and I know, Chen, you do too very much, gold mining companies that are producing cash flows, they, from operations, they don't have to go out and raise equity uh, in a very, very horrible market, which could could come about. We saw what happened after Lehman Brothers. It was a disaster for a lot of junior gold mining companies. So my preference, I know, and I think, Chen, that would be true of your, you too, is to look for companies that are producing cash flows, strong cash flows, uh, and, and at least companies that, are, that have a big uh, chunk of money in their treasurer to, uh, to fund the operations going forward. Um, I guess we um, have time, uh, Roger. Just uh, maybe what uh, comment just briefly on what do you see in the oil markets, Roger? Uh, Chen is we've got uh, two open trades that are leveraged in our letter now on the oil market. Uh, we're bullish on oil. I had a futures trade up that didn't quite pay out. Uh, we were at a spread between 107, I think, and uh, 110, and we got up to 110, but we did. We were too early on the calendar, so we couldn't. We called the numbers, but we didn't get paid on that trade. But oil is up again today, and I agree with Chen that oil is bullish right now. Oil today is up dollar twenty one, dollar thirty one. May oil on the futures one hundred four twenty four, opened at one hundred three. It's in uh, that, headed for that new trading range between one hundred four and a half and one hundred eight and a half, and. Uh, Several people have called for higher prices in oil, and we do too, not only on the technicals but on the fundamentals, uh, simply because of potential Middle Eastern factors, but more on uh, inflation. Uh, demand is going to return again. Uh, oil backed off a little bit, Jay, because of people were saying, well, commerce is slowing down in Asia and all over the world. They're not going to have as much energy usage. I think that was true for a a short period of time regarding demand, but I see it reversing and going the other. And let's not any of us forget the big inflation that's coming is going to drive these, these prices crazy. And I think that's going to be very heavy on the commodity side as far as a big push. So right. we, we've got three or four things in oil, and the timing uh, for some of the other stuff, Chen and I agree. Okay. Well, we are out of time now, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to have to say goodbye to Chen and Roger for this week, but uh, thanks, both of you guys, for coming on the show today. Uh, the inflation-deflation issue, well, you know, I'm more of a bear. I'm more of a deflationist than either of you, I guess. I look at this huge 
credit uh, market uh, problem, the debt problem, and I think it's a tug of war between uh, the uh, the policymakers who would like to inflate away and the natural laws of economics, which are saying enough already, too much inflation, and I see inflation in the commodity markets for sure. I see them, and we're having a lot of inflation right now. We've had huge amounts of inflation uh, over the years, but uh, also I think there's this huge undertow of deflationary uh, pressures out there. So time will tell uh, which way this thing goes, but I think we're all in agreement that we need to own gold and some other things too right now. Uh, and you can't really trust the policymakers and what the politicians are telling uh, telling us. So I'll be right back uh, with some final thoughts on today's show. Don't go away. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I have a few uh, closing comments about uh, today's show. Uh, just to go back and review uh, what we talked about, we talked to Lenny Charles, uh, who told us about this horrendous uh, uh, bank fraud that has really hurt uh, his not-for-profit company's uh, operation to try to get uh, free speech to, uh, to help uh, people understand what's really going on behind the scenes. Of course, that's what we try to do to uh, as best we can on this show. So I am very sympathetic uh, to to those that are willing to go out and and spend time and energy to try to to uh, to bring truth to people. Because Lord knows, the major media is not interested in objective truth. They are interested in selling their products, and along the way, uh, they 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 well, the, their truth is their truth, you know. So. Let's just put it that way. Lenny Charles, uh, I think we want to follow up with him and find out how uh, his situation is playing out for sure. But here's the problem that I see. 
This is a problem that Dr. Peyton Yoder brought to my attention back in 1967. And the real reason I got interested in gold mining and, and gold as an investment really wasn't to make money. It was, be, it was really understanding that there was a correlation between the debasing of a currency when nations decide they're not going to be honest about their monetary system. Then what results from that is a general decline in the work ethic and in the morality of a nation. So what I see is a top-down immorality that comes from the central banks, that comes from our, uh, from our political leaders who are now on the take, who are being bought out and passing laws, and the regulations that are being pursued are not for the people. Our representatives are not, are not representing us. They're representing the people that, that grease their palms and allow them to get reelected. So Lenny Charles and his efforts to bring truth to the, uh, to the consciousness of, of people I uh, applaud, and maybe I don't agree always with Lenny. He probably tends to be a bit more of a socialist. He probably tends to be uh, a, a less, um, you know, probably would have government do certain things I would rather not have as a libertarian. But there is so much that we are in agreement with, and the one thing I think free speech is the most important thing that we have, the most important guarantor of liberty that we have. And we know that free speech is being taken away from us in so many ways. Uh, the latest laws that allow the President of the United States, the executive branch of government, to sweep anybody off the street and deny them due process is a violation of free speech. If I am taken off the streets because I oppose the government's policies or for whatever reason they decide if I'm a terrorist or not, I'm taken off the street, and I'm denied the right to tell my story to a lawyer or to anybody else and to protect myself. This is tyranny. This is a government that is running amok that we have in the United States. It is something to be fearful of, and I think we better wake up pretty quickly or it's all going to be gone. I'd like to close just reading a, a, an excerpt, uh, a quote from President Wilson. This was in Arch Crawford's latest letter. It says, and this is President Wilson talking, he says, I am a most unhappy man. I have unwittingly ruined my country. A great industrial nation is controlled by its system of credit. Our system of credit is concentrated. The growth of the nation, therefore, and all our activities are in the hands of a few men. We have come to be one of the worst ruled, one of the most completely controlled and dominated governments in the civilized world. No longer a government by free opinion, no longer a government by conviction uh, and the vote of the majority, but a government by the opinion and duress of a small group of dominant men. End of quote, Woodrow Wilson. That was said some time ago, folks, and if you think things have gotten better since Woodrow Wilson's day, I've got news for you, unfortunate news for you. Anyway, uh, next week I want to tell you that we are going to be here with Danelle Parks. Uh, she is an excellent market analyst. Uh, she's written an excellent book called Juggling Dynamite, and Julian Phillips will be with me as well to talk about the threats of gold confiscation once again, as it was done during Roosevelt's days in, 19, in the 1930s. Well, that is really all the time we have today. I want to thank each of you for listening. I want to thank my senior executive producer, Tacey Trump. Uh, and Justin Jackman for making this show logistically possible. Thanks to our sponsors for making this show economically viable. And thanks to each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.